What a great time to just welcome you on this July 2nd. How many got July 4th plans? How many are looking for plans? Okay, I see those hands. So go talk to those people. Be a friendly person. My name is Chad Bohai, and along with my wife, who is holding down the fort in our nursery ministry, uh, we have four beautiful children. For those of some of you who are new-ish, uh, Mackenzie 10, Caleb 8, Benji 6, and Ethan 4. So pray for us, because we need prayer, a lot of it. Uh, it's so good to see the Zimmerman crew back from a week in vacation. How was it? Just thumbs up, thumbs down. They went to Hume Lake, got to camp, and I know some people are in and out, but if you are new here, like, like Tristan just shared, we do want to just say thanks for coming. Uh, we are, so, we're just on a journey with Jesus, uh, seeing him build a radiant church. Radiant is not our idea. It's a very biblical idea. It says in Ephesians chapter 5 that at the end of the age, when Jesus returns, his church will be a radiant bride, prepared for her king to come, to receive him, and to live forever in the age to come in heaven. And so radiant is not just, oh, we're shiny and bright. No, it's a declaration. We're going to become the church that Jesus is coming back for. We're going to participate in the grace of God. We're going to respond to Jesus and his good news we're going to be people who live wholehearted with open hearts and open hands, giving our lives in sacrificial service to King Jesus. So um, last night, it was a joy. I got, to, I got a, a ding on my email that someone filled out a Connect card. So that's why we have these QR codes is to plug you in and, and, and to get you in on the life of our, of our local church. And so thank you so much for being here. What a joy. And uh, let me just pray for us as we open the word. Lord, thank you for, for the, this time of teaching. Thank you for how you're going to reveal dynamics of your heart and your life to us. And our desire is that we wouldn't uh, be those whose minds are just stimulated by what we hear, but whose hearts are transformed. And then by the power of the spirit, our hands are animated with the very life of God. This week, as we do good work, as we think about having a few days off maybe because of the holiday, and being with friends and family and neighbors, Lord. It's our desire in those spaces and places to be ambassadors of your love. So Lord, I pray your blessing on all of those in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. And a shout out uh, to the Lynch family out of town. It's, I love you. I've known this guy. We've prayed together for decades. I mean, like 15, 16 years. He texted me yesterday. Hey, are you preaching anywhere? I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm a pastor. I'm at whatever, such and such and such. So we just want to honor you, man. These are, this is a godly family that are just visiting just for a few days or something. Yeah, we love you so much. Yeah, um, godly, godly, godly people. So it's a joy to, to host you this morning. So we've been on this, uh, this journey together where uh, if you want to print this and frame it, it'll be worth a lot of money someday. I led with that same joke last week. This week it was funnier. So... Next Sunday, I'm going to lead with the same joke, and someone might get saved from the joke. But we, the, 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 long, and the end of this, long and the short of it is, I'm always thinking about vision, dreaming, God, what is the big picture? I'm a big picture guy, and the Lord's helping me to take that big picture and to break it down in, in, in tangible next steps for us. That's the journey I'm currently on in my development. And so, but I love living at like the 30,000 foot perspective because I just love the whole story of God. I love all that's in God's heart. And so 
So we're working on what is our mandate? Our mandate, and I'm not even going to re-say all of those. You can just screenshot them or listen to the last couple messages. But I'm going to zero in on for these next several weeks on the mandate piece. What is our mandate? Our mandate is to live, read it with me, on earth as it is in heaven. It, in, in Christianity and in the church and in the kingdom, we take all of our cues, we take all of our prompts from the life, person, and work of our King Jesus. I, I, it says it this way in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. As he is, so are we in this world. So when we talk about Jesus around here, we're not just giving nod to a guy we think is smart or clever or powerful. We're bowing all that we are to say he is the king of kings and lord of lords, and all that our desire is in this life is to look more and more like our King Jesus. And so Jesus lived an on earth as it is in heaven lifestyle. All that he said, thought, did, pr proclaimed, healed, stilled storms, fed masses, you can trace all of that to God's kingdom in heaven breaking into the earthly dimension, the earthly realm. So Jesus' whole life can be said as, oh, wherever Jesus is, it's an on earth as it is in heaven reality. And the, my favorite story here is Mark chapter 2, where Jesus, a paralyzed dude, gets lowered through a roof. Sorry for the guy whose roof got blown up. And Jesus looks at the paralyzed guy and he says, hey, man, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees are ticked off because they're like, no one can forgive sins. Only God can. And he's like, Jesus has the prophetic spirit. He, they didn't even say that out loud necessarily. He discerned what they were thinking in their hearts. And he goes, hey, knuckleheads, that's not in the Bible. He's like, what's easier, to say to a paralyzed man, get up, or to tell him his sins are forgiven? But I want you to know, as the son of man, I have authority to forgive sins. And then he goes, hey, dude, get up, pick up your mat. Paralyzed dude walks. And I love this story because it perfectly describes the on earth as it is in heaven. For Jesus, wherever he is, how many know it's God's will that he wants the world to be forgiven of its sin? So he releases forgiveness because it's an open heaven where the son of God is reigning and ruling in submission to his Father's will. And how many know in heaven, in the age to come, there will be no sin or sickness or demonization or oppression or anxiety or fear? How many believe that? We're looking forward to that, friends. And so he's like, get up and walk. And in one story, we can summarize an on earth as it is in heaven reality. And so Jesus, when he starts his ministry, he preaches this message. And I did a whole talk on it, so I'm, I'm a, I have to move faster because I sometimes spend more time in the intro and recap than I do in the current sermon. Because I just love the Bible. I love to preach the word. It's always, it, this week has especially been so sweet. But it says this, when Jesus started his ministry in Matthew 4, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So again, throughout Jesus' whole ministry, he's inviting people whether they have sin, to be forgiven. Whether they have sickness, to be healed. Whether they're lonely and isolated, to be brought into family. Whether they're broken, to be mended. Whether they're held with the outstretched ostracization like the lepers, he's bringing them into covenant community. In every way, shape, and form, Jesus' whole ministry is God's kingdom is near because I'm near and I want everyone to enter it. And the entry how to, how to punch your ticket into the kingdom, 
Just change your mind. That's what repentance is, metanoia. It means literally stop whatever path and train of thought you're on. Now reconsider everything in light of me. How many have had to do that this week? I, I need to reconsider that dude I work with at work because I want to wring his neck, but Lord, that's not how you see him. I want to come into the kingdom. Anybody have a hard colleague at work? Okay, we have a few. Okay. We see those hands. Hopefully this, the cameras don't see those hands. They're like, what do you mean, bro? I work with you. And I only got one employee. But repentance literally means I'm stopping, I'm rethinking, and I'm retooling, reorienting everything around the king and the kingdom he's demonstrating and manifesting, and he's inviting me into. So what does that actually mean? Big, fancy spiritual language, but what does that mean to enter the kingdom? This is Dallas Willard, phenomenal, few screens, and I'll, uh, I'll upload these for later and for the email. It means that his gospel, Jesus' good news, was the availability of life in the kingdom of God. When? Now. With Jesus, the kingdom of God had become available for human beings to enter into and live in. This is all Willard. Jesus did three things in his own ministry. Read, it, just the, read the bold underlined parts. He proclaimed the availability of the kingdom of God to everyone, regardless of their standing in life. He teach. He taught what it was like and manifest its presence in events that could not be explained in a natural way. So he proclaimed, he taught, and manifested or demonstrated what the reign and rule of God looked like. And this is such a beautiful sentence. He was bringing the reign of God into ordinary human life. That's why he came and did what he did. In the midst of a world of ordinary human life, he was pulling the load, bringing the kingdom of God into ordinary human life. That was his message, and his message was to everyone. That language to me is so helpful. He's bringing the load. Everything he's doing, he's like, my father's kingdom needs to be demonstrated here. How life is, remember Jesus is the pre-incarnate, uncreated Son of God, which means he is equal with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the, the triune God. So when he breaks into the earth, he has, I don't know, like eternity experiencing life in the kingdom of he, the Father, Son, and Spirit. The perfection, the glory, the brightness, the beauty, the holiness, the purity. So when he breaks into, for a little brief window, into time and space as a man, it's inconceivable for King Jesus to operate in any other operational reality than what he's experienced for all eternity, which is the kingdom with his father at the center. Are you seeing that? So Jesus' whole ministry, he's like, it has to be here like it's there. Are you tracking with me? So he's bringing a load. Jesus' whole agenda in life is to unite. Everyone say unite. Heaven and earth. This is why, as a believer, you have to hear this, or your Christianity is going to be so boring. No offense. Your goal in your faith is not just to get to heaven someday when you die. Now, I want to say this. There is eternal life, and there is a new creation coming, and we get to reign and rule with Jesus if you're in Christ. But that's not the goal goal. Our whole journey is, Lord, mandate, what is it? On earth as it is in heaven. Did you know that mandate and mentality means every single day has possibility for a little more of heaven to intersect, to overlap, and to invade this realm that me and you call normal life? This is what it, Jesus is doing. His whole life, he's bringing the load of the kingdom of his father into the earth. 
How many are excited? How many want to join in the Jesus kingdom ministry? Well, that's the next passage. As Jesus was walking, so he preaches this message, first sermon, and then his very next move is, I'm gonna call some ordinary dudes to do what I do and follow me. It says this in Matthew chapter four, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Read it with me. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. I'll pick it back up. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James son, of Alf, uh, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. Read it with me. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So when Jesus comes with this kingdom invite, repent and enter, guess what? He's looking for a response on the other end of the invitation. And I want you to know this week, whether or not you were aware of it, Jesus was inviting you to experience life in his kingdom in real time, 24-7, 365. How many believe that? He was inviting you. Now, how many believe your awareness of that invitation may not have been all that high or that great? Because I get lost in my own agenda. I get lost in my own desires. I get angry. I lose my cool. I walk a little bit more in the flesh than I should have been and in the spirit. But that doesn't change the fact that 24-7, 365, Jesus is continuous agenda is as, is it, as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. And he does that mandate through people who respond to his invitation. So I love this. I broke this passage down in some simple bullet point for, uh, phrases. So they, meaning it's a communal call from the beginning. Did you know that it is way funner following Jesus with others than it is alone? I was overwhelmed yesterday on my prayer walk, one of my prayer walks yesterday. I was like, God, I want to lead a church that is just all in on Jesus. And then I thought throughout church history, throughout human history, there's always been a few individuals who took the claims and call of Christ seriously. But I'm like, Lord, I want a whole church that just says yes, with the big caps yes in their heart. And then here's what the Lord reminded me or showed me as I'm prayer walking. He's like, Chad, it's way better if everyone's saying the same yes than just a few. It's funner. You have accountability. You have encouragement. You're like, hey, how's it going? Dude, I'm getting my butt kicked. Life's hard. Me too. Let's stay in the game. It's just better when we do it as a community than just a few on the, as outliers of the community. I want you to know they responded, which means right here at the very first calling of the disciples, who can you invite in on the journey of following Jesus? How many have someone in their mind's eye right now? There's a person. They're not following. They're not, they're, their life's kind of aimless. They're in your life for a reason. They left everything, which means it's a costly calling. Did you know sometimes, I know this is contrary to popular belief and Amazon culture and everything I want, me, now, now, but it's costly to follow Jesus. But here's the deal. You're paying a cost, whether you're following Jesus or you're following some other narrative, you might as well pay a cost that actually has dividends, not just for this life, but the age to come. Life is going to be costly regardless, getting ahead at work, getting the job, whatever it is, but calling Jesus and paying and responding is the most worthwhile call. I love this language, immediately, which means it demands a response. Did you know that the best time to obey Jesus is right when he reveals something? 
Did you know that obedience delayed gets harder and harder to get around obeying? Come on, is anyone willing to be honest? When he says something, right there, there's, there will never be more grace to say yes to what he's saying in that moment than 10 weeks later, 10 minutes later. And uh, so I love it that immediately they follow Jesus, which means Jesus was their leader. And this last two points, I love this one, that transformation happens as we follow Jesus. Say, as we follow. As we follow, we're transformed. Aren't you thankful he's not like, hey, how far are you in your journey? How much do you look like me? And then maybe I'll consider if you can be in my kingdom and follow me. How many would be just toast right out the gate? I can't follow him. I'm not, I, I, praise God that it's as we follow, we are transformed. So say that sentence with me. As we follow, we are transformed. And then lastly, his mandate is essential as we participate and grow in his likeness. Jesus has a kingdom mission mandate, and he invites us. Turn to your neighbor say, he invites you. To the other neighbor say, he invites you to participate with him. Oh, this verse has been getting me for three or four weeks, and I just love it. Jesus went through all the towns and villages in Matthew 9, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, read it with me, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, send out workers into his harvest field. So I just see, I see Jesus, we're nine chapters into a 28-chapter book at this point, just tearing it up, destroying the works of the devil, healing people, forgiving, teaching, synagogue after synagogue, town after town, and he's like, I want a whole army of workers. Can you see the Son of God's just angst? Literally, the word compassion is, is this gut-level feeling where, ah. Oh, I have so much compassion for the harassed masses and helpless masses. God, I need help. I need workers. And I want you to know you and I can be answers to the prayers of Jesus. How many believe that there are many in our city, in our, let's get it practical, in your family, in your workplace, who are harassed and helpless? They need a good shepherd in their life. Just show of hands. Literally, the word harassed means they're, 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 they're pressed down, in, in the Greek, it's like harassed and helplessness. They're lacerated. They're just being tossed back and forth by every wind of culture and narrative. And when Jesus looks at those crowds, he's not like, hey, get your act together. No, he's like, they just need to know there's a shepherd who can lead them to the life that they're trying to get at apart from me. So he's like, God, send out a whole wave of workers who will show and reveal my shepherd heart. So who gets to become a worker in the kingdom of God? If, he's, if Jesus is praying for workers, and if all of us in this room would be those which we usually do, would disqualify ourselves because of our past or our present level of godliness, who gets to become a worker in the kingdom of God? Who gets to do this stuff? The super spiritual, the mighty, the, the, the intellectual giants, the well-off and wealthy? This is such a good passage. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to see this. I know, how many know what this little passage is called? The, the Beatitudes. Got some church people in the house. At church, praise God. And many of you have heard sermons, no doubt, and I'm not saying they're inaccurate, but like, let these attitudes be in you. So we, we view them as like character development. And there's an element that's true to that. But at its face value, what Jesus is saying, these are the ones who get into my kingdom. So I'm not saying don't develop these, these but at its face value, this is his very first Sermon on the Mount. So this, Jesus, after he calls disciples, he's healing, declaring, we get two chapters of line upon line teaching of what kingdom life looks like. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. But he starts the Sermon on the Mount who it applies to by describing those he's inviting to become his kingdom disciples. And I want you to know, this is not a who's who's list. Blessed are the powerful, the good looking, the wealthy, the Harvard grad. He's, this is not Jesus's list of who gets to become those workers, those men and women, sons and daughters who get to participate in the kingdom of God. Do you see that? No, who gets to be drawn into his kingdom? The poor in spirit. Those who know they are spiritually bankrupt unless they get to receive the riches of Christ and his love. Do I have any poor in spirit in the house? I'm bankrupt, but he's, he's got everything. It's those who mourn over their own sin and the condition of this world, but who want to see it different. So they, that mourning gives way to hungering and thirsting for God to put to right what is broken because of sin. Who's hungry to see God put it right? So he's describing, this is the entry list of those who... In every other list, they're not at the front of the line. They're not on the VIP list, but I want you to know the kingdom that Jesus inaugurated, established, and is increasing is an upside-down kingdom. His kingdom includes people like you and me. Are you kidding me? So when you read the Beatitudes, what, what, it, like a modern translation would be, blessed are those that no one would invite to their party, but I'm inviting them. Blessed are those that would be overlooked, held at arm's distance. Those are the ones I want to transform so much in my love that when people see their life, just seeing their life preaches the reality of how powerful my love and grace is. How many want to be those billboards that are works of God's grace, that just seeing the transformation is a springboard to get to testify, dude, I was a knucklehead and a mess, but Jesus, come on, someone say it, but Jesus. But Jesus, he invited me in. I get to be in his kingdom. Jesus went from there and he saw a man, Matthew, sitting in a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. Then Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners ate with his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, what do they ask him? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Read it again. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. I want you to know Jesus' kingdom operates different than any other kingdom. And aren't you glad for that? <clears throat> aren't you glad for that? The blessed, who he calls blessed and who he includes and invites is so contrary to our mindset. 
It's a kingdom for the sin sick who need a divine surgeon. Did you know that every human apart from Christ has a sin sick heart and the only one who can take out that heart of shame and sin and brokenness that's beyond human repair, he alone has the tools in his tool belt that can take out our heart of stone and give us a brand new heart that beats with the love of God. That's who gets invited into his kingdom. So who gets to be a worker? The Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, the mourning, the meek, the humble, those who are hungry and thirst, the merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, those who are persecuted. This is who gets invited in. Who else is it for? The tax collector and sinner. Who else is it for? This might include some in this room since none of those apply to anybody else but me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is maybe my favorite because, yes, I had a season of wild, crazy living in my teenage years, but I was raised in the church, and I had a propensity to be a... uh, uh, semi-good legalists. Any recovering legalist people in the room? <laughs> Very religious. And I'm thankful for this invitation that the kingdom is for those burnt out on religion. Always trying and striving and reaching, but never resting. Come on, somebody. There is a rest when you respond to the love of Jesus. That doesn't mean that following him doesn't include devotion and discipline and practices, because it does. But at the core It's learning to receive the life that's flowing from the one whose life itself, King Jesus, our shepherd and our savior. So his kingdom, who's it for? Who gets to become a worker? Who gets to do the mandate? Those who are just burnt out from endless striving, straining, and and they just want to let go of all their personal striving and just come in joyful surrender under the beautiful, loving yoke of Jesus, our master. Did you know that the yoke of Jesus, there's no other yoke you want to live under? What's a yoke? Not an egg yoke. <laughs> Help me, right? You carry a, a yoke with like an oxen. You're like doing some like yard work or uh, farming work. But remember, what did we say earlier in the sermon? Dallas Willard, for a yoke next to Jesus, what is the load he's carrying? The kingdom yoke. The kingdom. He's bringing the kingdom into ordinary human life. So this is the yoke we're in. That's why it's our mandate on earth as it is in heaven, because the one we're yoked to, the load, the lines he's grooving in our cities, in our families, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our relational networks, the thing he's tilling and working to see is kingdom seeds springing up every single place we're willing to walk with Jesus and his yoke. Do you imagine that? Just picture that this week when you're going to work. I'm in the yoke with Jesus. Whether we're tilling or sowing, we're going to see kingdom seeds break through the soil of the places and over the places we have influence in. Did you know you could do that? You can actually believe that. Life doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't mean life is just so cool, you know, cupcakes and fireworks. Soon, it will be all about that, especially if you live in Oceano. Let's just talk about Oceano. It's scary for July 4th. Can I just testify? We got some sheriffs some police officers and ex-police officers. Man, it's like... Okay, I've never been to a war zone, but I can imagine. It's not a large leap to figure out what it's like. But I want you to know, those who he's calling to become workers and laborers are those who first learn to respond to the rest that Jesus wants to give them. 
to come up under his yoke. Just a few more, and we're done. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Come on, can you picture him? Who's the greatest? At this point, Jesus has let them do some ministry, like back in Matthew 10, they're healing, driving out demons. So you know, I can imagine Peter, James, and John like, I got 10 demons this last ministry trip. How many did you get? <laughs> Who's the greatest? He called a little child and put the child right among them. And he said, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. All of them are like, that was your idea to ask him who's the greatest. Therefore, whoever takes, I love that language. I have a whole talk on the word take. Whoever takes, whoever takes the lowly position, I want you to know the lowly position can come upon you or you can take it. <laughs> it hurts worse when it's put on you. Can I get an amen? When you just, when you, God just is like, you know what? You're full of pride. I'm going to humble you. He does that, Okay. How many have ever had the hand of God do that? Like, a little too sure of yourself, full of yourself, ba-boom. Guys, he does it because he's a father, and he's a good father. He doesn't do it in meanness. He's like, trust me, this will save you like 10 years of heartache. Let me humble you now. But guess what? You can take the lowly position of a child in the grace of God. How many want to do that one? I want to go low and go humble. I want to be unimportant and unimpressive in my eyes so that there's nothing the king in his glory can't do in and through my yielded little yes that knows he's the superstar. I'm a son and a servant in the kingdom of God. Do you see that? Whoever takes the lowly position is the greatest in the kingdom. It's a kingdom for the unimportant, unimpressive, and have been all too often written off by the world. Does that include anyone in the room or watching? That's the, who the kingdom is for. That's who gets to become a worker with Jesus in his yoke in real time, in real life. Oh, this is the last one. For real, it really is. Jesus said to them, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. He's talking to the perfectly religious Pharisees. They were perfect according to the law, according to like rule keeping. And he's like, the prostitutes and tax collectors, because they responded to my message, are further in the kingdom than you ever will be in a lifetime of trying to be religious and rule keeping. Holy moly. Therefore, the kingdom is taken from you and it's going to be given to a people who produce its fruit. So the kingdom is for those humble enough, this is what's so unbelievable, to confess their need for a savior. I'm telling you, the only category of people that Jesus opposes, this is James chapter 4, verse 6, the only category I can find in the Bible are the proud. It's the only category. He works with sinners because he works with us. But those who are proud, I have no need of you. It's like, I can't work with you. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And the proud in his mind, there's no room for even one thought of God or for God. So when he talks about taking the lowly position, friends, it's a safeguard to go low because if we go low, instead of our whole life trying to prop ourselves up, he can take you higher in a split second when you're humbled before him than you can striving for decades of trying to get ahead. Amen. Decades. I'm striving at the top, better. Just go low Submit yourself to his leadership, love, and lordship, and let him take you as high as he wants to take you. 
How many believe that there are heights in God that you've yet to experience because pride has gotten the way? My hand's raised. He's humbling me. This is so good. It's for those who believe the good news is what? Good news for. The only reason tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners, all the ones we see Jesus ticking off the religious people with is because they knew, man, I need what Jesus offers. It's not that complicated, folks. How many know we're the ones who make it complicated? Well, and Jesus is like, if you just acknowledge how much you need me, I'll pour out all that I have and all that you'll ever need. So how do we enter the kingdom of God? You've got to be born again. How can you be born again? Asked the religious expert Nicodemus. You can't enter your mom's womb a second time. Imagine, dude, like, he says be born again. I don't understand the language, Jesus. Remember, Nicodemus is a genius. He's an expert in the law. He, like, has probably the whole Old Testament memorized. That's, that's what they did. How do I, my mom, I, uh. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. I love two chapters earlier. He helps us understand it even a little better. What does it mean to be born again? How do I enter the kingdom? To all, read the italics with me, who received him and who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who are born not of the blood of the will or the flesh of the will of a man, but of God. How do I be born again? Receive and believe. Receive that the life you've been trying to get at your whole life alone comes to, to you as a gift from the one who is life itself, the one who laid down his life to give us life, Jesus. To believe he is the sole sufficient savior. And then I love it, he gives the power. In the Greek, it's the word exousia. It's this energy, this power, this dynamite power that breaks you out of your sin and your old life and he establishes you as a son or daughter of God in the kingdom of God. In order to enter the kingdom, we've got to be reborn by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is a free gift for those who receive it by faith. I love God's kingdom. It's not try harder and maybe someday you'll get to enter. Let me say that again. It's not strive endlessly to clean up your own mess and then maybe you'll be acceptable to me. No, it's right here, right now. The kingdom's at hand. You can enter no matter what condition your heart is in. Let me do the transformation. Let me do the healing and cleansing. You just respond to my amazing love and grace. Turning from ourself and our sin towards Jesus with wholehearted surrender and to love, to his love and lordship with humble trust. When we turn from ourself and our sin, you know who we're turning to? Not a God with a grimace and a growl like, it's about time. Finally, you're turning to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has the biggest, widest, strongest arms that he's been reaching for you your whole life, waiting for you to respond to the, to the grace son. Come into my kingdom. By, by the way, those of you who are, you are like, dude, I've been in church, church my whole life. Does this apply to me? Yes, his arms are outstretched to you, even as a 20-year believer, always wanting you to enter more into the kingdom of his son. Repentance is not just the entrance into, it's the way we experience and explore all of life in the kingdom. That's last week's sermon. Because repentance is coming into agreement and 
alignment. Someone remembered from last week, you get a gold star after this service because someone listened. And we're never, ever done coming into agreement and alignment with the kingdom of God, with the king, with his mind, with his wisdom, his will, his love, and his life. So what happens if you receive today, if you repent today and believe the good news of Jesus, what actually happens to you? You are rescued from the dominion of darkness and you're brought into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you respond today, the Bible says, according to that we just read, you're born again into a new family. You're transferred into a new kingdom. You're given a brand new identity and you've been redeemed, which means you've been rescued from all of your sin and shame. Put another way, you're made a new creation. I should have just done that one slide, but I wanted, I love theology. You gotta understand what's happening. You're born again, new family, new identity. I just love talking about the riches of Jesus because he's so good. How do you need to respond today? How is Jesus drawing you? Have you, your whole life, said, I'm not good enough to be useful to God? I, he would never accept me. He would never want me. Have you, your whole life, believed the lie that the list that Jesus calls blessed is a list that doesn't have your name on it? Have you believed the lie your whole life that, man, it's for other people to live lives of significance and eternal purpose? I'm just going to get by. How many believe today God wants to disrupt all of that line of thinking and reveal the truth of his love to you personally in this room. No, no, no. You are the one I call blessed. You are the one I want to come into my kingdom. How do you need to respond? Are there people you know who need to be brought into God's kingdom? Just picture them in your mind right now. Family, friends, neighbors. Simple framework pray for them daily invite them to church show and share jesus in tangible ways and just testify of what jesus did for you did you know there's arguably nothing more powerful than a testimony this is what i was this is who i am come on and this is who i'm becoming because i don't intend to stop following the one who rescued my life how do you need to respond who this morning would say, Chatty, I want to be one of the ones Jesus calls blessed because I'm entering the kingdom by faith today. Any hands, you just say, I want to go. I'm all in. I want to go into the kingdom. I want to respond to his love. I want to turn my heart to Jesus. I want to come out of the yoke of every other yoke I've lived under my whole life. Perfectionism, my own. Ugh. How many are just weary and tired and need him to lift your weariness and to anoint you with the oil of the joy that comes from receiving his salvation. How many want him to take your garment of despair and to give you a garment of praise instead of despair? Anybody? How many want to bring your ashes, your, your hopes that got dashed, those things you were contending for that didn't pan out? You want to bring him your ashes and he'll give you something beautiful in exchange. This is who the kingdom of God is for. So again, if you just want to respond today, can you just stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. Just in any way, shape, and form, even if you're like, Chad, I just want to sign up to be a worker. I, I want to be those who Jesus can deploy this week to invite others into this unbelievable kingdom that I've received and experienced. And just right where you're standing or you're sitting, and again, you're not better or worse. This is just a simple way to respond. Just like those first disciples, they left their boat and their net, and they went on a journey with Jesus. 
This is your, I'm leaving what I brought in here and I'm walking out a new creation. I wanna be a new creation in Jesus. If that's you, just say amen. So Father, I thank you. Just, just I wanna actually give you 20 seconds. Just talk to God in your own words why you stood up. Just tell him in your own heart. Say like, Father, this is why I stood up. Or Jesus, this is why I'm standing. And I want you to fill in the first few sentences that you want to say to him. Don't try to be fancy. Just be yourself. Who is the kingdom for? The kingdom is for you. Just say that. Say the kingdom is for me. By faith, to say this, by faith, I receive and respond to Jesus, my King and my Lord and my Savior. I cast off every other yoke. I turn from my sin, and I'm going to walk with my Savior. By faith, I am a new creation. By faith, I'm a child of God. And by faith, I get to be a worker in the kingdom of God because Jesus prayed for me to join his kingdom mandate. And Lord, I just want to thank you for those that are in this room and those watching online. I pray, Lord, you would overwhelm us with your love this week. I pray that we would just be, this week I was, in my preparation on Thursday, I was, I just wanted to scream. I was so happy. I can't even believe I get to be in the kingdom of God. I can't even believe that you would use me for the life I used to live, that you would actually allow me to share the word of God with people. (laughs) God, I pray that my friends in this room would be overwhelmed with the kindness and love of Jesus. Lord, pour out your grace on every family, every household represented, single, dating, married, young, old, youth, teenager, little kid. We don't care, Lord. The grace of God and the kingdom of God are for everyone. So I pray, Lord, that our church, those in this room, would leave with just the the spirit of Jesus burning on the inside of them with the love of the Father. And then, Lord, I pray that as we go, we would pray daily for those who need Jesus. You can screenshot that later. You can invite them. You can show and share and testify. Lord, we want to be those who are carrying the load with Jesus bringing the kingdom into real time with real people and real places. So pray this last prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to join Jesus this week in his kingdom mandate. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen.